Hey everybody and welcome back to Stripped. I am your host Evan X. Today I had the pleasure of speaking with a good friend of mine. His name's Alan Izawa, Mr. Do-It-All. If you know Alan, you probably count on him for something. It's a fact. If you know him, you know he's reliable and the guy is, I know I said this about the last guy, but Alan, I mean, sorry, I just know good people. We had a good time catching up, talking about a lot of the times we had at work, yikes, including a fire, and a cool story about something that I still use today, which is wild, five years later. Um, I won't keep you too long. I had a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoy it as usual. If you got something you want to say, hit me on Instagram, at stripped.lasvegas. I'd love to hear it, really. Any questions you have, feedback eh. if you want to be interviewed that'd be real dope i'm always curious to hear more stories so hit me up i appreciate you listening hope you enjoy it peace thanks for joining the podcast first and foremost yes sir alan izawa oh full names uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Full governments out there. Well, because I don't like, I have to pr- try to pronounce everybody's names. Some people, I didn't even know their last names. Oh, wow. Yeah, exactly. After years and years of working with people, I'm kind of re-meeting everyone. Cool. Well, you said my name pretty accurately. I'll take it. It's not that hard to do. Um, first question. Let's jump right in. Let's do it. Where are you from? Uh, born and raised in Las Vegas, Nevada. East side, east side, east side. Dang. So that's three people in a row, all born and raised, basically, in Las Vegas. Nice. Now, this they is know bit... that song. What song? East side, east side, east side by Dizzy Wright. It's just local artists, but he's ah, semi-big. I would not have known that, even though I know who yeah. Dizzy is, but I don't know enough of his music. Oh, yeah. Check it out. So Dizzy's from the East Side. Shout out Dizzy Wright. Yeah, plug that in. <laughs> Are there any other rappers in Vegas? Oh, man. I mean, my boy Echo. You know, I, what yeah. side would he be repping? <laughs> man, I have no idea. Where, what do you call where you're from? I'm from the East Side. Oh damn, we can't have yes. two East Siders. Sun- Sunrise Mountain. Oh, word up. Um, question. Talk to me. Do you think it's like every other city because you've grown up there? Um, I mean, I would just assume it's like every other city, but I've only been in one city, so I just have Vegas to compare it to. Right. So it's, it's, nothing's really that surprising about that city anymore, I guess, if you grow up there. Did you think it was this wild growing up? Uh, I didn't know none of this was going on as, as far as like the strip and parties, gambling, stuff like that. Like, I, I mean, I lived in my own bubble on the East side and just, you know, did the regular thing, went to school. Um, Trying to get a scholarship. <laughs> yeah. Played in the streets, played, you know, I mean, that was back in the day when there was basketball courts all up and down the neighborhood. So how'd you get from doing the school thing to like, did, was there somebody who introduced you to the strip or is it something you heard about? Did you just want to take a chance or what happened? Um, so my first real job, I worked at Sonic Driving, but my first real job was on the strip at MGM Rainforest Cafe. Um, that's when I was 18. So I started as a buster and worked my way up. But other than that, like, 
Rainforest I've always, Cafe. Which is right across like the walkway from Studio 54. So I've always seen like clubs and nightclubs and stuff like that. Oh, wow. um, but I just, I never realized the type of money that you can make in these types of establishments. So I've always stayed in the restaurant, like food and beverage industry. So mm. what was the <laughs> switch? How did you learn about what the money that was in there? I just, there was one year I started working at pools and uh, Cabana servers were making a ton of money, right? So I worked in Cosmo first and then I went to this place called Mandarin Oriental, which is like a five-star hotel. But are there I a bunch of those? Always, uh, there are, there are across there the are? world, actually. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. In Las Vegas? Are there, oh, no, are no, there no. a lot of five, uh, what did you say, five stars? Five star, I think, I mean, I think there's a handful, like um, I'm pretty sure Four Seasons has got to be five star. Mandarin is not there anymore, but it's called the Waldorf, Waldorf something. I Waldorf think that's five stars. Astoria. Too. Something like that. Aria has like the Sky Suites, which is five stars. So there's, there's a handful of them out here, but yeah, and more four stars. Those are different than uh, like the party pools? Yes, yes. It's more for like, it's more like a general family oriented pool. Um, it's just a little bit more upscale, nicer. So you mean the rich family pool? <laughs> he said general. <laughs> that don't sound like general money player. Five star don't sound general. Oh, there's five star generals. And that's the top of the top. And the five star services you receive is definitely a difference too. So really what's it? Do you know the do, difference between like what makes something five star? Because I have no clue. Uh, you just go through like, you know, I mean, you have these shoppers, these Forbes shoppers, and they pretty much just critique and have like a rubric of everything. So you get points if you pass certain um, standards and the way you talk to people, verbiage, like, so they're just critiquing everything from like the cleanliness, to the, the venue to how you interact with them. So, um, yeah, man, it's, it's definitely under the microscope, but you pay for what you get for sure. Wow. See, I... I don't know. I still didn't even know about those jobs, even after like, you know, almost 10 years in the game, you were the first person to kind of let me know that those were even an option. Once you left, I was like, what you could do, you could work where? Right. And you're serving? Uh, yes, I was taking care of the cabanas. So I just did cabanas. So what's the difference between serving and busing, like having done both biggest difference? Um, you do less work as a server and make more money. <laughs> <laughs> to be quite honest. <laughs> so the buster, you're just, you're in the trenches. You're just doing all the dirty work, maintain everything. And literally like the serving, the servers, you just talk to them, take some orders, bring out some food, bring out some drinks. Matter of fact, you don't even bring out the food. You have a food runner that does that. So you pretty much bring out the drinks and just make sure their experience is, is tip top five-star service so and then you just get paid out for it and then you tip out your busser or back in the day we call a pool attendant do you miss anything about busing i don't miss a darn thing about busing you can cuss here man i don't i, don't <laughs> judge. I know it's easter and the lord has risen <laughs> but i don't give a fuck um, um the thing that i miss about busing is probably the people that i work with and uh the first, this is the first time I've worked in multiple um, venues where you have a, a, a house pool, right? So everyone gets a piece of the pie equally, depending on how much, how many hours they work, right? And in those types of like establishments and that type of uh, operation, like there's always that 
ego element to it where someone is, I did this, I did more than you, I took this many tables, I threw in $500 in the pot, like, you're slacking, right? There's always that type of, like, mentality. But um, working at Marquee, that was, like, the first time, like, everyone was on the same page and it was just a different level of teamwork. So if I missed anything, it was just how we worked together as a team. And, like, the people that I worked with was by far the best people I worked with, from the, from the bottom to the top, from the busters all the way to management, so... That's probably the only thing I really miss. But other than that, no, I'm glad where I'm, I'm at where I'm at right now. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. It's tough to explain that the job is really thankless, but it's a lot of fun and you meet a lot of good people. And every sure. day is like the story of a lifetime. Yeah. It's crazy. I talked to uh, a previous buster, you know, he went on to serve, barback, bartend. He said the same thing. Like, it's a, thankless job but the people you meet the type of money you can make and the schedule that it gives you is like second to none especially for your 20s yeah for sure i started late i, I started like in my my late 20s so i was probably really? one of the older people there yeah I, I think my first industry like nightclub day club job was i was 28 or 29 you know what and yeah, i was right you were, was, uh, you were younger was, than that nah man i've only been there for like five maybe six years i'm 33 now so Maybe, maybe 28. Damn. I feel like I've known you were longer than that. <laughs> it's crazy. Hold on, let's think about it. I think it's 2015. You, oh, uh, that's when you started, 2015? That 2015 was, was my first. Uh, that was your first season. First that was my first season. That was my first, first time working season. in that industry. Yes, sir. That was it. Did, Best season of my life. Really? I think so. Did anybody help you get the job or you just interviewed and got in? I just interviewed and got in. Um, wow. It was my my last interview. I got the job at, um, what's the pool at? At Hard Rock. Rehab. Rehab, yeah. I got the job at Rehab. I went to Encore Beach Club, went to Omnia. I think Omnia is opening up that year or whatever. Yeah. Did those. And then I wasn't even going to go to Marquee and interview for Tau Group. But I was like, whatever. Last week, last day. <laughs> and uh, yeah, man. Just got an interview, got a second interview, and then they processed me that day. Wow. That's one of the few stories of somebody getting in without, like, a leg up. Yeah. Uh, I was I was surprised. Really? Most people have, like, hey, my friend Johnny is friends with your GM, and they were in the same fraternity in college, so you should let me in here. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, back then, I, I didn't know. I was young. I was young, but... I want to say when I got hired, about half, one of every two busters that I worked with were in the same fraternity as the GM. Mm. Yeah. And I was like, yo, how do, I mean, because it's a lot more stringent for other places, the, the interview process. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you got to know somebody, you have to have experience, you got to have the look, you got to have the muscles, you got to have the knowledge. I'll tell you what, though. Mark, uh, like Tau Group, they actually give you an interview. Like everywhere else that I went, it was literally a 30 second like survey. They ask you your name, what you're applying for, and where you last worked. And that's it. So you're sitting in hours for that long, for that short of a time period with these people that could potentially hire you. But in, in Tau Group, I think that what really helped me was I actually had a conversation with the person that interviewed me. That's a good point. So it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be on like my appearance and, you know, my, my, 
experience. Like he got to know who I was as a person. Yeah, and that normally doesn't happen until the second interviews of the other places, right? Because there's so many people interviewing. Right. And it's, they don't have the time to ask, you know, 5,000 people, uh, well, tell me a little bit about your background. What do you know about the health code? It's kind of, they got to do the eye test thing first, which is hard to explain to people. Like, imagine saving and working all year to get a job just for a 30-second shot. Right. It's like, that's pressure. No, I'll tell you this, too, as far as how competitive it is. Omnia did their interviews and auditions. Doors open at 12 p.m. afternoon. I got there at 7 a.m., and I wasn't even the first person in line. Oh, man, I don't know if I could deal with that. I'm, I mean, I remember doing the same thing, especially for Hakkasan Group, because they have the venues with they pump a lot of money into them they always have really good djs and they do a good job as far as like what they offer and i was talking to uh somebody about what republic and hockey song just auditioning for there you'll wait for like i asked him what happens if you show up at 9 30 a.m and the interview starts at 11 he's like you're done you can't even get in yeah it's insane an hour and a half early and you were five hours early and you weren't even the first person I maybe the seventieth person. What? I made top hundred. Maybe I yeah, I would say there was there was a good amount of people in front of me. See, that's when I just like, okay, do I need to come back tomorrow? Do I try later? Or because this is too much. You start seeing everybody and they're like, yo, why are there billions pretty <laughs> people here? Yeah, for sure. You got people in the bathrooms just working out and trying to get a pump real quick. <laughs> they literally have they literally have dumbbells and resistance bands trying to get pumping. Man, and they like, hey, uh, can you watch my spot in line? <laughs> Straight up. I'm gonna go to the gym and come, and come back when it's our turn to go in. That's oh wild. man. The cool thing about working uh, at some of these places is you don't have to keep auditioning. Right. Which is, that was enough to keep me at a venue probably like two years more than I should have been. Mm-hmm. Just for not, <laughs> you know, not having to go try to do this. Yeah, that's a, it's a tough process mentally, too. You just know you're going to waste like half your day for a 30 second survey. True. And I tell people about the humility everybody has in between getting yeah. hired and, or the, the audition and getting hired because mm-hmm. nobody knows anything. <laughs> nobody knows anything. Yeah. So it's all. Oh, how do you think you did? Good luck. What yeah. did they ask you? Oh, I don't think I did that yeah. good. I said something stupid, or I look like this, or I forgot <laughs> to do this. And everybody's worried and nervous. And then, <laughs> like a week later, uh, can't work to work the best job in the city. All you peasants, go to your other place. <laughs> <laughs> and then you see oh, the flyers, man. the flyers, and the flyers. That's one thing I, I don't miss, having moved away. For sure. A um, couple of favorite customer experiences. Man, um, I mean. Uh, or say like your best day. You don't even got to say uh, like yeah, yeah. the guest stuff is weird because I can't even remember most of those. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, there's so many days that are mushed together. But I'll tell you this, my best day was, you know, obviously it's going to be my best guest experience this guy he comes in he spends fifteen thousand dollars which i mean that's not even that big of a deal right 
sure. If you All say right, so. I mean, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> so that was my first year. I'm seeing, I'm seeing, I'm seeing bills and tabs for like a thousand, two thousand dollars. I'm like, what is going on? These guys are spending a ton of money. Yeah. But you know, when, once you get in there, man, it's 10, 20, 30, 30K, man, that's. If not, someone doesn't spend fifty k on a Saturday, then you have like a, a pretty whack Saturday. Yikes. Anyways, this guy—he's a no name. You know, like who's a spender? You know, he's gonna come in and blow his wad out. But uh, he was a no namer. Just came in, real chill guy. He spent fifteen thousand dollars. He stays a little bit later than after we close, and uh, he goes to sign out. And you know, it's in like the SOPs for for girls to be like, hey, what's the SOP? Like. SOP is just uh, is your standard operating procedures. Copy. So it's like it's in it's drilled in these girls. Like they're supposed to do these in their steps of service to acknowledge the buster and ask if the the guest wants to leave me or the buster a little bit extra. And that goes directly to him. Like he doesn't have to share that with anyone, right? So she does that. And she asks this guy if 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 he wants to leave me something. He leaves me an extra five thousand dollars. And I, five thousand dollars. That goes straight to me. He leaves the girls an extra ten thousand dollars. <laughs> so his, he tipped out a hundred percent. He spent fifteen k and tipped out fifteen k. That was by far like the best experience I get. I'll stay as long as like he wanted me to stay. <laughs> right. I was like, hey, are we sleeping here? Yeah, man. Whatever. I go downstairs get you some pizza. What you want a robe? <laughs> Matter of fact, I, I, I'll pay for the pizza. <laughs> Pizza's on me today, everybody. Shoot, not, not everyone, but yeah, I got you, bro. Yeah, that was that was insane. I've never, I've never seen that kind of money come at me like that. It's like I won a jackpot. And then you come back to work the next day. Yeah, and just work harder and make less. You, know? you, just, you never know, right? <laughs> but the cool thing is, the shot is out there. For sure, there's definitely that potential to. You never know, so that's why you have to treat everyone. As if you will get that 5K. And you can't be disappointed if they don't give it to you. <laughs> but, yeah, the potential is there for sure. How many people would you say is, is, are likely to make over $1,000 in tips? Like, on, on an average, like, how many people do you think, like, really are making that type of money? Uh, I say it happens at least a couple times of the week, the weekend. I mean, my first year... I was in pretty good positions too towards the end of my season, but I didn't get a thousand dollar tip or over a thousand dollar tip until probably my middle of my second season. Word, I remember. So it, it doesn't happen like that frequently, but it does happen, sure. And we're talking about a thousand dollars, but I mean, you can you can get a side five hundred dollar side tip, which is still very good. But we're talking about like a thousand dollar milestone, which is still a lot of money. Yeah. Um... I was talking to another buster about how at some venues you get to keep your money. Some venues you don't get to keep your money. Some venues, it all goes into a pot. Kind of differs sure. from place to place, which, For sure. and it can change up on you at any time, which is another scary thing. Yeah. They can just say, hey, this time we're doing it like this, or hey, guys, we're going to start switching it up and make it like this, or even worse, they'll threaten you with it and say, hey, if you guys don't pull your stuff together or if you guys don't start, you know, cooperating, we'll just yank this buster line out of the whole equation. 
which is insane, right? Like that's the money that you work for. That should be your money. That should be, this person wants to reward you for the work that you did for them and the service you provided. That should be your money. That's, that's insane when like a venue steps in and, and kind of like manipulates that portion of it, which they shouldn't even have their hands in tips anyways. Correct. Um, By law, I think there's some kind of law about that. Yeah, so I think that as long as the managers weren't making your schedule, if they make your schedule based on some type of criteria that you guys have to meet, and then they can give everybody equal points based on that criteria, then that means that they aren't in charge of your schedule, which means they can't really show favoritism, which means they could be in the tips. I believe that's over with now, though. Like, yeah, everybody's kind of caught on to the fact that the managers shouldn't be giving a salary and a full cut of the day's earnings. For sure. Definitely be a manager for that. <laughs> Sounds like the best job ever. Have you ever been asked to be a manager? Uh, no, no, I have not. And I'm, I don't know. I've always been in the, uh, the tip based income type of uh, person. Yeah, just having a salary just is kind of daunting to me. It's, it's uh, I feel like it limits me, right? Uh, Puts a cap on my income. A salary? Yeah, plus plus the hours, which I'm trying to get paid for the hours I work. I'm trying to get paid for the hours I don't work, let alone getting capped in my hours, mm. kept in my income, limited hours. That just makes no sense to me. I feel that. Did you like being a lead? Uh, the benefits of being a lead was incredible. Um, you pretty much do the same work. You have a couple of responsibilities like doing inventory and stuff like that, but it's tips. It's nothing outrageous. Better sections. Choose your cocktail server that you get to work with. And uh, yeah, man. Better shifts, day shifts, all that. It's all good. That is the... And, and, and hourly. And what? And a raise the hourly. Yeah, I know. It was a, I think it was a dollar seventy-five. Yeah, might have been. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you're doing more work. You have more responsibility, but the work seems easier. Um. Yeah. Work, well, work, work. I mean, what do you consider responsibility? Um, responsibility as far as like if something goes bad. Okay. Yeah. I knew that they were gonna come ask me about it. Right. Or for sure. if they needed something and people weren't listening, it was like, hey. How come you, the people aren't just like doing what we say when we say it? Like that's what there's, that's what you guys are for. And we had it kind of crazy because, uh, you know, Alan and I were leads together at the same venue, and there were sure. there were eight of us. Yeah, which is insane. I didn't do nothing. I let you guys do everything. I mean, I tried to do nothing. <laughs> it didn't really work, man. But those were the good old days. Yeah, you're the OG lead, though. That's why we're, we were the newbies. Uh, that's because everything was weird when I started working there. And then once everything kind of like, I think the managers didn't even know what was happening. <laughs> and then once they figured it out, they're like, oh, we could use some help. And then, um, yeah. you know, I did not want to be a manager. Right. No, sir. Um, this is an easy question for you because I've known you for this whole time but and you just answered the question about being a lead is 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 it really that big of a difference nightlife or daylife 
Um, the biggest thing is just the hours. Um, and for me, I'm an early person and uh, early bird. I sleep early. I wake up early. I'll tell you what. I had to work. My first year, I was working every shift possible, right? Day shift, night shift, doubles, whatever. I would get off like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm driving home, right? I get in my gate. I have maybe a 20-second drive from the gate to my home, and I fall asleep. Oh. <laughs> I fall asleep within those 20 seconds. I come up on the curb. That wakes me up, and I'm just, what the freak? But that was the biggest thing for me working at night was just, man, my sleep schedule or just, I didn't have no energy at two, two, three o'clock in the morning. I'll fall asleep driving home from work almost nightly. Damn, bro. Dangerous. Yeah, bro. It was, it was dangerous. I'd be so tired. I kind of remember like thinking, oh man, I do not want to beat the sun. <laughs> mm. And and be driving home at four thirty, five fifteen, and you see the sun about to come up, and everybody's about to wake up and ruin your whole sleep, because nobody. Isn't that wild? I know nobody cares if you work at nighttime. There's no, yeah. there's no be quiet hours for the people who, you know, are working ten to five a.m. But right. I also think a part of me not work, wanting to work nights anymore was uh, I finally got the opportunity to only work days and to work in certain, you get certain sections, you work with certain waitresses, right. and then you realize that it wasn't worth it. Like I could be better, even better during the daytime rather than come in at nighttime and just like be a zombie and then come back in the daytime yeah. and be a zombie. And then, you know, nobody really knows you. You're not really having a good time. You're not really making sure you're you're doing the best job because you're just trying to get from shift to shift till the weekend's over. Yeah. I definitely think there's more money during the daytime than there is at night for sure. Uh do you think it's because you can like talk to people, they see you and or is it a waitress thing because they're in bikinis and the bikinis do the work? Ooh, that's <laughs> a good point. There's probably some correlation with that, but I, I can't say hundred percent, but I I don't know. Like I just feel like Maybe our staff was smaller, but I feel like our, our wax or what we made per hour was, was better than what they did at nighttime. And, it, man, nighttime is so congested and smoky and I don't know. I just I wasn't feeling nightclub. Yeah, especially. Did you ever think of getting two jobs at once? Um, Like like a day club and a nightclub job? Yeah, because I know some venues you can do day and night in the same mm. venue, but um, some places you could or at least now you can work, you know, a, a pool job and then you can go work a club job. Right. So I've always worked two jobs probably for like the last 10 years. And when I was working at Marquee, I was working at Topgolf at the same time. Topgolf was good because I could block out my schedule. So by the time I was working only Friday, Saturday, Sundays at, uh, at Marquee at the day club, then I could just work Monday, Monday through Thursday at uh, Topgolf. So, yeah, no, I've, I've always liked to work two jobs saves you money because you're not spending because you're just working and then you just build up your income cash bankroll like real fast oh, smart a couple of people which, are talking about that which is good because if you work in seasonal jobs you literally do nothing as far as income during the winter time except for maybe some unemployment but that only gets you so far so what is your winter time a little like? bit of money uh i'm actually pretty busy like i, I try to do a whole bunch of side things. I try to do a little fitness business. Um, 
since 2014, actually, because I don't do nothing in winter time. So <laughs> and everyone needs to stay fit and stay in shape for auditions coming up. Um, so I do that. Um, a lot of people like to travel. I never really did a traveling thing. I did it one year. But to me, I just, I'd rather find a way to still make some money on the side while I'm not making money. So that's my winners. I stay busy. Yeah, there's no, there's no security blanket over the winter when you're not making any money. For sure. It's terrible. But that's why I think I'm doing, dealing so well with this quarantine because this is nothing but an extended off season for me. Like this is what I would have been doing anyways until probably May, June, July. So I get that easy transition. Can you dig it? Can um, you dig it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, hmm. th- that, that was one question I forgot to ask you earlier that I meant to, cause you were talking about it right before the off season bit. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is there like a hardest part about going to work every day? Or is there a best part? Oh, no. And what's the best part about going to work every day? Um, I would say the hardest part about going to work is, especially if it's peak summer, man, it's like 110, 115 degrees. And you know, on a Saturday, probably from one to four, you are going to get your butt kicked. Um, <laughs> And you know, short on supplies, cups, ice, like that, that at, during flutes. those times, flutes, shot glasses, shakers, like all that stuff. When you're short on those types of supplies that are necessary for you to do your job, I mean, you start feeling the stress and like you start scrambling and trying to run everywhere to find it. So that is probably the, the and it's so fast paced and high volume. Like that's probably the worst feeling about going to work for me. That that's. That made my life stressful until probably like my fourth or fifth year. Then I was just like, then I was just like, whatever. Like, I'm, <laughs> they don't have it. They don't have it, you know. <clears throat> yeah, because you're you're seeing money leave your pocket <laughs> with each second that you don't have the things that you need because your mean, waitress might end, get upset. Oof. Yeah, for sure. And it, the thing is, the waitress will get upset, but at the end of the day, like. Is is the guest? Is he happy? Is he cool? He's just partying. He don't really care what kind of the cups he's drinking tequila from. Just use a cup. Correct. Like flu. Yeah. Trying to make it perfect. Uh, yeah. After a certain time, I mean, people pay for the experience, right? But then once once they're in it and people have been drinking, they don't just don't they don't want interruptions. They don't want that service to stop. So you start making adjustments on the fly and borrowing stuff from your neighbor and stockpiling your section. (laughs) Right. But it guarantees that you uh, can do the best job so that you can at least be, you know, receiving some of the potential of the money that's out there. For sure. There's no one that's ever been like, I'm not taking a shot out of that cup. I need a shot glass. No one's ever said that. I've never seen it. So I have. What? Yeah. You want me to drink this tequila out of this? I was like, mm, would you prefer your hand? That's wild. I've and, never seen it. I mean, there's nothing I could do. I was like, hey, these this is a pool deck. We don't have... <laughs> this ain't uh, Mr. Chow's. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but what about the best thing about going to work every day? Um, I would just say that you potentially can make a ton of money and you're working with great people and good-looking people. Now, the the girls that you work with are cream of the crowd, right? So 
Uh, it's not it's not a bad gig for sure, hundred percent. You can make a ton of money, you work with beautiful people and it's, it's a fun environment. So yeah. That's dope. It's interesting to see uh what everybody likes about the job because mm-hmm. it's easy to say the money. Right. But we really genuinely work with some of the coolest people you could ever meet. A hundred percent. It's like a fraternity in a way. Exactly. And yeah. and that that moment you're like oh wow this is man you work with everybody uh throughout the year differently like it's kind of like a rotation so you don't have to only see the same three people say you work with 50 waitresses in a year you'll get to know all of them by the end right for sure definitely the best people i've ever worked with easy to say that out of all the jobs that i've worked these best best people i've ever worked with yeah yeah there are some connections that you're just like, whoa, man, where? And these people are not from where you're from. <laughs> right. Which is, it's even crazier. Okay, so now you said some tips that you would give someone if you were new to auditions. Or no, you said you said you would give some tips to somebody new into the industry. But what if you were one of the people at those 30-second auditions for the first time? What would be your advice? Uh, I would definitely... Try, um, right. <clears throat> Those Say it again. I would try to come into the audition in the best shape possible. Um, I, I, I definitely would want to try to look the part because in 30 seconds, that's really, to me, in my opinion, that's what they're judging you off, right? So how you look. <clears throat> and second, um, I just try to be as genuine as possible. Like some people would probably try to go over the top and try to be memorable and say some outlandish crazy stories or I don't know. I don't know what they would do to try to impress someone, but I, I would just keep it basic and uh, um, try to be genuine and authentic for sure. They'll know, they'll know who's trying to like play him and be like, Oh yeah, I worked here and here. And I know this person, like, I'm pretty sure um, those people get weeded out. Yeah. It's uh, uh, the reason I asked the question is because it's tough to pin down what exactly gets someone hired and what doesn't get someone hired, right? You see a lot of pretty people that don't get hired. And you're like, all you had to do was just like walk in and walk out. And I, you know, the job should have been yours. But then they spoke, boom, and it was a wrap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's tough. There's, there's no, so for me, I felt like um, the audition process, I, I, didn't, I wanted to stand out. Right. I answer the question as best I can. But if nobody if I'm not memorable in 30 seconds, then my chances are significantly decreased. So I, I, I make one joke, just one joke. I just need someone on there to be like, huh. And that's it. No, I think that's a good approach. I, I only say that because my friend, <laughs> someone told him, like, hey, man, you just got to you just got to come over the top and, and, and just do something that, that they'll never forget. <laughs> and he said he climbed up like Mount Everest and parachuted off or something. And they were like, did you really do that? And he said, no. And uh, he never got a second call after that. Wow. <clears throat> well, I mean, damn, you, you didn't say the lie. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Over the I top. Do, that was, I was like, why would you say that? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I guess there's a happy medium there for sure. Has there been a place that you felt like, um, I mean, cause I've only worked, I mean, I've worked uh, several places and I tried to use the same routine 
I would even say, was it a kitchen that caught on fire? Supposedly, well, that was the initial story, but supposedly if someone threw a cigarette in a trash can next to a palm tree, those palm trees came up, and that's why there's no palm trees even at Marquis Bay Club. Aha. There were palm trees. Yeah. And I remember getting stuff for my cabana. I was working with Chrissy. <clears throat> the guy handed Chrissy all, he had a $10,000 minimum. He handed her all the money cash. She went and put it in the safe. We were about to take the first order. I went to go get some materials from the back and I saw smoke. And then they were like, yo, we're gonna have to get out of here, but make sure everybody's calm because nobody had seen it yet. And so I started skipping. <laughs> Like happily, <laughs> I skipped all the way across the pool deck, like do 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 do, and then everybody's like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "I'm just hyped to be here." And then I went straight upstairs, grabbed my backpack, <laughs> and I told everybody, "Yeah, we gotta get the fuck out of here. This place is on fire." And then we had to go across the street to the Aria. Yeah. Everybody had to meet up, be taken. That was no easy walk. Everybody was all split up. And then we had to do the roll call thing. And then after the roll call thing, they're like, you know, we're not going to be able to reopen till we were there for what, a few hours? Few hours yep. Yep. And so me and you just went to the car and took the, got a football yep. and went to the rooftop of the Aria and just started playing catch for like an hour. Yeah. And didn't what's his name come out and bring us some waters? Mm, I don't remember. Anthony. Yeah, he probably did because he was working at the uh, the Mandarin. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right that was cool. But then we went back up. We went back there and opened and it went up. right back to work. Like nothing happened. Whoa. Uh, you want to know something crazy? Huh? That day. Whoa, this is wild. That day, nobody really came back in except for a couple tables. Mm -hmm. One of the tables was Swarovski. I was Cabana 17. I was, I was, that was my Cabana. Dude, I am holding the Swarovski crystal, the, the pen that he gave I us. I still wow. I think I, <laughs> right now. I think I gave it to Erica. I don't, I don't even know. Yeah. Yep. So this guy decided to side tip us in pens. Yeah. But the Swarovski crystal pens, he was like, hey, this is for you. This for you. <laughs> this for you. What? Yeah, he spent like 10K in a matter of like an hour. <laughs> yeah. And, uh. I am holding that pen right now. I was like, yo, this would be a good pen to use for the podcast for all my notes. Wild. Because I got this. This was a side tip. Yeah. Was, you're like, these are like $100 a piece. I looked them up. They're like $20, $30. Whatever. I mean, they're still. They're nice. For someone to hand me a $20 pen for no reason. For sure. Just because I passed by. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that um, was Cabana 17. And then, yep. That was the fire that day. That was the fire day. Wow. And I, I was, I was like, man, I for, I forgot what day I got this pen, but I know that I remember me, you, and Mark, like roaming around with these, like, oh, this will work. Yeah, man, dang, that's crazy. Wow, that was, I, I mean, how many years ago? I think it was my first year, so probably 2015. Five I, years. I'm pretty sure because I was maybe maybe 2016, but I was super excited to be in Cabana 17 because I'm like, I'm never up there. It was my first year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was closer to one of your first yeah. years. And uh, surprisingly enough, like, I want to say at least a year, a year and a half went by. 
And I, you know, I was back up in Cabana 16 or 17, 15, whatever. And this guy comes by, he looks really familiar. I'm like, Hey, you look familiar. He's like, yeah, I, you were my buster when the, the place caught on fire. <laughs> I was like, no, no way. And I was asking him what happened. He's like, you guys kept my money. Like, <laughs> I mean, they sent us, he's like, they sent us over to Tao. And then they were like, you know, you, when you come back, we'll get it back. And I just kind of, oh yeah. he's like, that was a wild day because he handed us like $15,000 cash. Yeah. And then didn't come back. And then he was back the next year. I was like, whoa, what's up? I was like, man, hopefully they don't catch on fire this time. Man. And then I brought Chrissy over to come say hi because I think we had a different uh, a different server the next time around. Oh, shout out to Chrissy. I miss you, girl. She, I, I mean, I'm going to uh, talk with her nice. next week. Sick. She, for everybody, she is the girl that is on my shoulders uh, in the title logo Sick. piece. Uh, she's by far the MVP of the whole league. League MVP, hands down. You know, she's another person I want to talk to about the differences of you know, working in the industry and working out of the industry. She'll be my first interview that's not born and raised in Las Vegas. Oh, sick. Okay, yep, last yep. question. I appreciate Talk you me. answering all these for yep. me. My man. Yes, sir. What's the tip you would give yourself <clears throat> if you were new to auditions? Um, oh, yeah. So, well, I said, like, the whole appearance thing, but... Um, Aha, we did say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but as far as, like, once, once you're in the job, like, I came in hungry, right? Like, I knew there were thousands of people trying to get to the position that I was in and I was just fortunate enough to get hired. Right. So I definitely yes. wanted to show that I'm here to work and I, whatever you say I'll do. Right. And that's, that's what I said in the interview and I didn't want to lie about it, but like, for sure, like if, if you need me to go downstairs and get a pallet of ice, like I will do that if that's what you need me to do. So I, I, I try to show that I was hungry. I worked every shift. Um, that would be my, my real tip is just knowing that, Thousands of people are trying to work the job that you were blessed to have and to not take advantage of it and just be grateful for it and really give 100%. Because you you know, man, like you could just get let go for no reason. This is uh, Nevada's, uh, what kind of state is Nevada? At will. At the worst state. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, man. They could fire you, they could terminate you for anything, any reason, at any time. Yeah. And just knowing, like, you, you go through these auditions and you put in so much time. Well, not a ton of time, but you're sitting there for, like, five, six hours just to get a talk with somebody for 30 seconds. And then you finally get the job. Like, man, you have to realize, like, how how fortunate you are and to not let go of this opportunity. Because right. Right, as soon as you're gone, someone else fills your spot, like, in a split second they're happier to have it. And even when they take money from you, they're like, well, somebody's going to be happy to have this job, even though it's worth less money. Right. So, so you just put your head um, down and you work. That's, that's, that's what I could say about that. Yeah, man. As far as I think everybody kind of knew you relatively quickly for the type of work you were doing. It was like real quick, every waitress you ask, Oh my gosh, I love Alan. Oh my gosh, he's my favorite. <laughs> I love Alan. I love Alan. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Even to the point of, Hey, this is your buster, Alan. I mean, Evan. <laughs> Bro, I tried to. There's nothing worse than being introduced to a group of people as the wrong name. And then she just walks off. Your waitress just walks off. Hi, yeah. this is Evan. He'll take care of you. Or this is, this is uh, Zach. I use that name because somebody called me Zach. And we, I have yet to work with a Zach. I don't even know a Zach. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, 
Actually, I do know Zach. Too. I lied. I know, one, I know one Zach. <laughs> Shout out Zach. But getting introduced as Zach when you are definitely not Zach. That's terrible. You kind of think it's on purpose, though. You're now like, you do, uh, for sure. Or they call you a- Adam, Alan, Aaron. Okay. I'm like, yo, it is Evan. I have a name tag. <laughs> <laughs> but it ain't worth it. I don't pay any of their bills, so it ain't worth it for them to know. Yeah. Uh, um, the last thing I would say is if you're coming to Vegas to enjoy Vegas, I mean, for sure, have your fun. But just because you're spending so much money, like it doesn't mean you own anybody and don't treat anyone like you own them. Yeah, they're taking care of you. They're, they're your servers or whatever. But at the end of the day, like you don't own them. They're not your servants. Right. And uh, no matter how much money you spend, I was that was a big thing for me was just feeling like, man, this, this dude treat me like a slave right now, <laughs> you know? So, uh, I mean, have your fun. We understand, like, you get drunk, and we're part of the reason that you are acting the way you are, but man, just try to try to have a little bit of class. Just decency, just a little right? Bit. Remember that you're, you, you, you wouldn't do this at home. Right. Some people, I'd say that to them. I'm like, yo, you have kids, probably as old as me. What are you doing? Yeah. Why would you do that? Why would you take a piss in the ice? Why would you, like... <laughs> Uh, steal someone's stuff? Why would you throw someone's phone into the water or, like, as I'm passing by, like, grab a shot on the tray? It's like, yeah. This is, this is wild. And then, you are in your 50s <laughs> behaving like a, a child. Yeah. Um, that's pretty dope, man. I appreciate... Uh, I feel like every time I talk to somebody, they leave me learning a little bit, and so they definitely got to be teaching other people right. a little bit. Like, if everybody can just take a little slice of every episode and be like, oh, yeah, I heard you're supposed to do right. this. And then they'll have more fun. I agree. Man. And that's all this whole thing is about. You, you, you're making a manual right now. The blueprint. Exactly. I like it. Good idea. I almost I almost called it the blueprint, but I didn't, you know, I, I feel like after Hove did that, I can't do that. I know you're not a Jay-Z I, fan like who I is am. Hove? What? Alan. Did, I just deleted the whole did, podcast. Did he, did, did he write, bro? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Stop just kidding. it. I mean, he married Beyonce. Who's that? I'm just kidding. <laughs> worth a worth a billion dollars. That's cool. In the in the writers hall of fame, and my man doesn't write lyrics. Supposedly. I mean, <laughs> I'm just hating right now, bro. It's all good. I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh I'm about to get mad. Oh, <laughs> Anyways, but I, I miss you, man. Um, I'm glad you guys are doing all right while everything's like completely shut down. I know this is like right around your speed and my speed. Right, anyway, likewise, so. likewise. I like, I like it. Hopefully, just a few more weeks. You staying productive, man? I think everyone should be staying productive. Take some time though to reflect on everything that we've given. And uh, yeah, man, it's not, it's not the worst time. It's not the best time, but it's our time right now, baby. Ooh, I like that. I'm ending it on that Let's note. Go. All right, brother. All right, bro. Peace. Later. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you taking the time. I know there's a million podcasts to listen to right now. If you could do me the humongous favor, I don't have any ads, nothing for you to buy or purchase or brought to you by just share this with somebody if you thought it was funny. It's the time for that right now. And that's what this is for just for a laugh or two. So if you chuckled, please pass it on to somebody else that you think might laugh. And if you love me, which you should do anyway, really, you should be doing this anyway. You should like, share, 
rate, subscribe, all the things. Because why not? What else are you doing? And I would appreciate it. That's why. Want to hear some better interviews? Well, cool. Let's get this thing up and running. Appreciate your help. Thanks, guys.